0: everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to continue our little journey through some of my favorite stories of Jesus, this time talking about who he was as a leader and as a servant. It's amazing how when you've been through some form of spiritual abuse yourself, you quickly find out that other people have also been through some really terrible experiences with Christians. I feel like every time that I start talking to somebody or they hear my story and they want to talk to me about what they've experienced, every time, every time I hear stories of pastors, I hear stories of Christian ministry leaders, I hear stories of Christian CEOs, and over and over again, there's these experiences people have had with abusive situations with these Christians in power. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Why is this so prevalent? And just the other day I was reminded again, I saw somebody that I hadn't seen in gosh, probably a couple of years. And I knew that he had been just painfully fired by a pastor and to the point where they just even they left the state. They were just broken. And I was like, gosh, why? Why? Why does this keep happening over and over and over again? And how many times have you heard in the news lately of, you know, pastors or ministry leaders that get exposed for the horrible things they've been doing and been covering up for how many years? Why? Why is this so prevalent? And so as I was talking with God about it, didn't get a very good answer. We'll talk about that later. I was reminded of Jesus. And the example that Jesus gave us as a leader, as a spiritual leader, and as a servant. So I was looking up the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Do you know it's only in the book of John? I know we were in John last week, and we're in John again this week. I I love the book of John. John has this picture of Jesus that is so personal and so close. and He gives us more of Jesus' words than any other gospel. And I love the way the Gospels are all so very different. People often will try to use that as an example for why it's not accurate. But anybody who knows anything about eyewitness reports will tell you that accurate eyewitness reports are always different. They'll have some similarities, but they're always different. And the problem with an eyewitness report, if they're all the same, you start to question them because you're like, hmm, they all just memorize these answers. Because in actual eyewitness reports, people just recognize different things. They see different things depending on their personality. They notice different things, and so the gospel is this beautiful just example of just these different people who have seen Jesus from different perspectives and remember different things and pick out different things and just different things are special to them. And John is such a book of just emotion, and there's this passion and this just tons of Jesus's words. And just these stories that he picks up, that he tells us, that just meant a lot to him. And the, the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is there in the book of John. And I actually want to read some of it to you. I know last week I just kind of told the story, but as I was reading this this morning, just in preparation for this recording, I was just blown away by some of the words that John uses. And so I'm reading it out of the ESV version, First, starting in verse 1 of chapter 13. Says now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Ugh, that is just gorgeous. I love it. Jesus knew it was his time to go. He had loved the people the Father gave him, and he loved them all the way to the end. I love it. He's so full of just love. And the story goes on to talk about how Jesus knew it was coming. He knew that he was going to die. He knew that he had come from God that he was going back to God. And with this knowledge, he rose from the table and he laid aside his outer garments and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And this picture is is so beautiful, but it's something that we don't necessarily see in our culture anymore because we all wear socks and shoes. <laughs> and we ride in cars and we're rarely walking around in sandals in the dust. And so we just don't we don't wash feet all the time anymore because to keep our feet clean and we don't have to just walk through the dirt and animal poop and other kinds of things. And so it's hard for us to understand the exact picture of what happens here, but just in the same way that God laid aside all of his deity and his power and his glory as he became a God-man here on earth with us, Jesus lays aside his outer garment and he's just dressed in his his linen robe, undergarment. And he takes a towel and a basin of water and he begins to do the lowliest job of the lowliest servant. He washes his disciples' feet. And this is shocking on huh, a lot of levels. Peter explains it to us, actually, because he freaks out. He's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, you can't wash my feet. <laughs> I love Peter. He's so bold and he's so like, he just says everything that he thinks, and I love him. And he's like, Jesus, you can't do this. Like, he recognizes that it's not Jesus's place to be washing feet, that Jesus is the teacher, he's the leader, he's the rabbi, and yet he's taking this form of the very lowliest servant. And Jesus just says, Peter, I need to do this for you. Like, you need to let me do this. And Jesus is even pointing even more, he's pointing at what he's about to do. The very lowliest thing he could possibly do to die on a cross, just this humiliating, painful death to pay for the sins of the world. He was the ultimate servant and he gave the ultimate cost. He gave it all for us. He came. He sacrificed himself for the world, even for people who don't love him, even for people who would never accept him. He was there and he did it for us. And this very act, It's exactly what Jesus, who he is. This is exactly the kind of leadership that he embodied. This is who God is. He is lowly. He is humble. Even though he has all the power, God has all the power. Jesus still had all the power. He could have done whatever he wanted, but he laid that aside. And he went ahead and took this form of this servant who loved to the very end. And I'm blown away by that. And then after Jesus washes everybody's feet, he tells them, I'm giving you this example. I want you to be like me, that nobody is greater than his master. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. The example of Jesus is kind of mind-blowing, actually, because he is so different from us broken people. Broken humans are obsessed with power and money and fame. I mean, look around our world. You don't have to look very far to recognize social media. We're obsessed with fame. And, oh, who liked me? And did they like what I posted? And how great do I look? And what can I show that shows I have all this stuff? I mean, it's just ridiculous. But you don't have to look very far to to find that broken humans are obsessed with power and money and fame. And Jesus, to God who has all of it, laid it aside and said it's not that big of a deal. It's not important. It's not what's important. People are not God and god is not people thank goodness god humbly served all the way to the cross but how many people do you know that are christians or call themselves christians and yet love and pursue power and fame and money to the point where they're willing to sacrifice other people to get that i hate that this is so common i hate that this is so Like our stories are so similar. There are so many stories out there that are similar to my own of brokenness and pain and suffering caused by other believers. That is not okay. It's not okay. I hate that there are so many screwed up situations, whether it's in churches, ministries, camps, companies, so many broken people that have been broken by other Christians. And yet Jesus said, be like me, serve, love, let go of your pride and your desire for power. This is not a new thing, unfortunately, because as I was talking to God about this, like, why? Why does this keep happening? Why do you let, and and why does it keep happening over and over with the same people? Like, why are there some of these pastors who have fired umpteen how many people who don't agree with them? And broken all these lives. And why are they still pastors? Why are there these situations? Why are these scenarios? These Christian CEOs? Same thing. Where all these people have been let go. And made to feel like it's their fault. And why does God not step in and do something? I didn't get an answer. Like I want an answer. And God did not give me an answer. He just reminded me of history. And I was reminded of all the false prophets in the Old Testament. That. Came and said false things that weren't true. And I was reminded of the way that the Israelites tended to mix worship. They mixed the worship of Yahweh and Baal together, probably for power and money and fame, right? The false priests and the prophets doing their own thing. I was reminded of the Pharisees, those religious leaders who looked so great on the outside and who Jesus was constantly. Speaking truth to that, you are not right. You are a mess. You are leading people astray. And yet they hated him enough to get him killed. They missed God. I was reminded of all the false teachers that Paul warned his churches about. Shoot, I was reminded of all the messed up churches in the epistles that Paul is writing letters to and saying, hey, don't do that. That's wrong. I was reminded of during the first century of the church. Just already, things were getting screwed up. You look at the Holy Roman Empire. Go forward into the Church of England. You look at how Martin Luther had to stand up to all the corruption that was in the church that he was dealing with. This is not new. And I hate that. I hate that this history of corruption with religion And people who are broken that love power and money and fame and just hurt other people is just something that's part of our world. I hate that. And I know that for every giant megachurch pastor out there who gets caught doing things that he shouldn't be doing, there's people who don't get caught. And there's a bunch of tiny pastors and tiny churches who are just as abusive. I hate that. Why? Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't he expose it more often? Why doesn't he stop it? Why doesn't he prevent it? I don't know. And even as I just asked these questions to God, I I didn't get an answer. I just got the reminder of history. The reminder that we are a broken and messed up people. And I got the reminder that Jesus came as our complete opposite to show us what true leadership looks like. We can't fix it, guys. And I want to, because having gone through what I've gone through, like, I'm passionate. I want to get up there and, like, expose all the corrupt people in Christian ministry. And I want to, like, speak truth and healing to all the broken people. But I can't. And I can't stop it from happening again. And again. And again. Because gospel truth is that humanity is broken. And there is only one savior and we desperately need him, but he's quiet and he doesn't force us for whatever reason, known only to him. He allows the brokenness and the corruption to continue. Maybe because it points to him, maybe because he doesn't want to be robots. I don't know. I don't have a good answer, but I do know that Jesus came. He was a real person. And I can't explain him other than that he really was God. And he gave us a completely different picture than what we see in our broken Christianity, in our broken churches, and our broken world. Someday, all this will end. Because someday, Jesus is going to come not as a servant, but as a king. With all power and all authority, and he will put everything right. And everything will be fixed. But until then, all we have is this broken world and this savior who's willing to be with us, who is willing to be with us. And so I don't want to end this like negatively, but at the same time, it's okay to understand that like, there's not an answer. There's not a solution. I mean, it's going to happen. However, if you're in a situation like this and people are trying to use words like unity and don't. Mess up the name of Christ and other kinds of ridiculous things. Maybe they're saying that this person has spiritual authority or whatever else. And you're like, yeah, but, yeah, but you listen to that, but listen to that. And if that person that's trying to lead you isn't leading you like Jesus, it's okay to get away. It's okay to walk or run away because you do not need to be spiritually abused. And there are places churches, ministries, corporations, where people look more like Jesus. It's not going to be perfect, but there are situations that aren't abusive, spiritually abusive, emotionally abusive, and you can you do not need to stay in an abusive situation. It is okay to take care of yourself and to get out. I think Jesus gave us this example because he knew how broken we are, and he knew how people are. He knew the nature of humanity. He knew that Religion is a way to control that people love power and that you get in these places and these scenarios and love of power and money and fame just goes to your head and off you go and no longer matters who gets in your way and what happens. He knew that's who people are and he knew that's not who he is. And so he showed us if you're going to actually follow me, this is what it looks like. It looks like humble servanthood. It looks like the God who created the universe in one word. Who just speaks and it all happens. The God who has that kind of power, becoming a human, constraining himself to a human body for 33 and a half years and getting down on his knees and cleaning filthy feet because of his love for us, because of his desire for us. He wants us. He wants to heal us. He wants to fix us. And he is coming again and he will fix everything eventually. And until then, we just have to hang out in this broken, awkward place. It's awkward. It's not always comfortable. But that's okay. So if you're in a situation that's not safe, that makes you feel guilty and condemned and broken and lost, it's okay to get out. That is not Jesus. Does your leader look like Jesus? And if the answer is no, it's okay to leave. I hope you can hear that from me today. Guys, the real God wants to be found. And he wants to transform our hearts from the inside out. He wants to give us life that is truly life, to lavish grace upon us, to fix those broken places, to dig deep down into our hearts and discover the lies that we believe about him, about ourselves, and about others. And heal us at a level that is so far below the surface. And then everything will change. We're never going to be perfect until we get to heaven. But Jesus wants to give us life that's truly life. And restore us to the person that he created us to be. I believe that with all of my heart. Keep searching, guys. Don't ever stop. The real God is findable. And he wants you to know him. I think we're going to do one, maybe two more stories of Jesus. So until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynwood.com for more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.